Welcome to Managing Marketing, and today I've got a chance to sit down with Joe Gaines, who's the Area Vice President of Salesforce Data and Audiences, and co-VP of APAC Salesforce Women's Network. She's also leading a panel at this year's AdTech Sydney next month, discussing shooting out the lights. Welcome, mm. Joe. Thank you. Thanks, Darren. Great to be here. Well, thank you for inviting me to Salesforce. It's yeah. a great view over uh, Darling Harbour today, isn't it? It's fantastic. We like to position ourselves right in the heart of what's going on in each major city. <laughs> so, shooting out the lights. Yep. What does that mean? Because it sounds like gun control. Oh, God. <laughs> but I'm sure it's not. <laughs> If no. we're in America, a title like that, you'd have a big turnout of the uh, NRA. But uh. Yeah, maybe it should be shooting for the stars or some sort of... I, I, to me, it represents uh, endless possibility, but also completely changing the way we look at, uh, and in this particular case, the way we look at customer experience and the way we, we as brands and as technology companies put consumers at the heart of everything we do and change change our philosophy around everything. You know, change the way we view campaigns, change the way we view product marketing. Make it make it all about customer experience and lifetime customer value. You're right, because there's been a lot the last few years there's been lots of conversations and lots of opinions. But the feeling I get talking to various people across the industry, there hasn't been a really clear view for a lot of marketers mm. about what that actually means and what's the, what that looks like. Yeah. But do you get the sense that we're at a tipping point or a turning point in that sort of evolution now? I think we're absolutely at a tipping point and you're starting to see businesses look at bringing different departments together. So they've previously had a CRM team and an acquisition team and a retention team within the marketing function and now they're bringing all that together and calling it customer experience management or you know customer relationship and that's a great step in the right direction to just at least get the right people collaborating and saying hey these customers of ours have lots of different products at lots of different times in their lives or they transition out of one product into another. Wouldn't it be great if we made that conversation seamless, if we connected that conversation together so they don't feel like they're dealing with a completely different company every time? Well, you know, and, and it's true, you know, you hear a lot of talk about a single view of customer, mm. but so many organisations are so far away from that because of the traditional siloed approach yeah there's there's many many large companies with large budgets who are running multiple campaigns at any one time talking to the the same consumer about completely different products and completely different decisions where it should actually you know they should actually be talking to them about how those things are related and do you think uh, the size of a company is actually often more of a hindrance than a help yeah yeah, I think what we're starting to see from some 
SMBs and you know some of those mid-market companies is fascinating and what we're seeing in banking for instance you know these digital banks that are now getting licenses to trade digital first who are investing in technology first and saying we don't have the bricks and mortar we don't have these cumbersome setups to manage we can actually go in and use technology for setting up CRM, lead management, nurturing, and start to have a true lifetime conversation with a customer across every channel and every touch point. Yeah, because we've seen, you know, these big organisations really, you know, when it comes to transformation, really struggle Mm. with being able to transform. But as you say, these smaller startups or even, you know, and they're not that small actually, but, you know, medium-sized businesses. Yeah. That because they are starting out from almost a greenfield uh, site, mm. they can then plan customer experience from day one, can't mm. they? Yeah, I was I was also hearing this morning from one of my colleagues about a a jeweler in the city, quite a famous jeweler, and he used to have a very famous storefront in the bottom of the Hilton, and had a lot of foot traffic and a lot of people kind of coming in and out and. At any given time, he'd have, you know, someone who he's never interacted with before and then one of his most valuable customers in the shop at the same time and he needs to have different products available and, you know, out for different types of buyers with different budgets. He's completely removed that. He's gone to, you know, the top, some obscure, you know, building level five appointment only and now he uses technology to completely drive his business and he's taken away a whole lot of the stress from having that you know bricks and mortar street traffic and he's he's doing better than than he's ever done before well uh given up the walk-in yeah that you know nothing about so you can't customize the experience until you get to know them yeah and you wonder sometimes if the actual the trouble it takes to convert one of these walk-ins whereas I imagine most of his business is either coming from lead generation or word-of-mouth referrals Mm. so coming from existing customers that have already convinced this new customer that how good this service is exactly and Mm. then you can start to put a score against that lead and you can start to decide how you want to communicate with them it's it's fascinating and reward the loyalty of your existing customer who's made the referral in the first place and encourage that behavior yeah yeah, and um, the, the other trend that we're seeing, which I'm really passionate about, you talked about um, my role on the Women's Network for APAC, is businesses with a clear purpose and clear values. And we're starting to see this emergence, and I do think we're at a tipping point here, of customer of um, customers wanting to transact and trade with businesses that operate with a purpose and get behind a purpose and really live, embody that purpose in everything that they do. And, um, you know, Salesforce is one that I that I know and love, but there are many examples. Salesforce has four very clear values that we live by every day and every single employee knows them. So trust, equality, customer success and innovation are our four core values and in everything that we do I mean you you may have seen our our co-CEO Mark Benioff 
is very, very active on Twitter talking about the social responsibility of technology companies, particularly in San Francisco, where there's a massive homelessness problem. And he's incredibly vocal, but also puts money behind solutions to that. It's really interesting that you bring up purpose because, you know, I'm sure you're aware that there's a bit of a industry uh, conversation raging. Um, first of all, we had Nike come out with their yep. um, uh, campaign, basically supporting um, uh, you know, African-American mm-hmm. sports people, you know, Black Lives Matter and, and those issues. Yep. But then we had recently uh, Gillette also come out with a statement about uh, toxic masculinity. Yeah. And it's interesting how the two, when people compare them, mm. are very different. Mm. Um, do you have any, what's, what's your opinion on those two particular examples? I, I, I mean, I've, I feel incredibly passionate about um, the importance of diversity and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of research being published that shows companies that recruit truly diverse workforces are more successful both financially and emotionally and you know retention um, and when, and by di- sorry just yeah. to clarify but by diversity you're not just meaning gender you mean race and economic educational cultural Ev- every type of diversity yeah. and then I think that flows through in the conversations that those companies have with their customers you know they're able to show campaigns like that they're able to demonstrate that the world truly is a diverse place and that consumers and customers come in all different shapes and sizes and we need to cater to that and we need to you know demonstrate that we understand lots of different races and cultures and because there's actually an anthropological explanation for having a diverse workforce and that is it actually drives creativity because creativity comes from various perspectives and different perspectives looking or focusing on the same issues and problems and providing a multitude of possible solutions totally i've been reading a book called the loudest duck which a colleague gave to me before Christmas and uh, it, it kind of focuses on this idea that yet yeah, yes um, you know having some quotas and having goals around diversity is fine but you have to go back to where a lot of our beliefs come from and she talks about this idea of having grandma in the room with you when you have a conversation or you're in a meeting or you know grandma's there over your shoulder creating these perceptions and creating these beliefs that you're not even conscious of a lot of the time. Well, they're biases. They're biases, yeah. yeah. That's your perspective and you're completely blind to them because mm. from the time you were born, yeah. they've been a part of the, your view of the world. Yeah. And that's why when you get diverse groups of people in the truest sense, yeah. you're then confronted by different perspectives that you'd never seen. That's right. You then need to build a culture of uh, trust yep. and collaboration mm. that you then respect those yep. and view them for the purpose of challenging your own biases. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So it's um it's I I think that there's an outcry from consumers to see more diversity in the way that they um interact with brands, the way that that you know like um I, I talk about this a lot. I'm a I'm a single mother of two children and there's this tends to be this belief system that 
I would want more time with my children. I want more flexibility in my work life. I want to work part time, you know, I, I, which is which for me is not true. For a woman sitting next to me in the same situation, it might be true, but for me, it's not true. I would actually like more support. I would like someone to do my groceries. I'd like someone to clean. I'd like someone to help me with those functional things so I can spend more time with my kids when I'm there. But I also love my job. Yeah. And I want to work full time. And I enjoy working full time. And I would like to have the choice, but I'd also like to have some more support systems around me to help me with that. And if a brand talks to me as if I'm the mother of two children that wants to be part-time and wants to, you know, be doing school pickups and drop-offs and all that, it's not going to resonate with me. It's not who I am and it's mm. not what I care about. Well, it's the difference between talking to you as a stereotype That's and right. hoping you fit in a box yeah. that they've put you in yeah. and talking to you on the basis of they actually have some sort of intimate understanding yeah. of you and your circumstances and your belief system. Exactly. And and for brands, using all the data and using all the interactions and using everything you know about a person to then communicate with them more effectively is more important than ever before. Mm. So... Now you've brought up the word yeah. data. Data, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Avoided it as long as possible. But look, it is important because yeah. you know it, it's the way of scaling. Absolutely. The, the way you know you used the example before the jeweler. Mm. The jeweler probably was able to memorize maybe a hundred, a hundred and fifty clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In you know carry that in their head so that when they walked in they could identify them. They'd remember the things. But how do you scale that? Mm-hmm. And the only way to do that is with data and technology, isn't it? Absolutely. And um, it reduces wastage. It reduces um, this idea that, you know, this kind of push messaging. If you talk to me in a way that is relevant, right time, right place, and, you know, a lot of people talk about that. But honestly, if, you know... I travel a lot for work and all of my signals, my Wi-Fi, my travel bookings, my um, loca- you know, location service, all that stuff creates a picture and it's not difficult to predict when I'm going to travel, where I'm going to stay. If you put an offer in front of me or you help me with a guide to where I can do yoga in San Francisco fantastic i'm booking that in that is saving me a whole heap of time and energy having to search for it so right time right place but if you put that in front of me you know three weeks after i've gone there waste of time and and sort of annoying and and beyond the sort of practical benefit of saving you time yeah it also those little things demonstrate that they truly do know you yeah on a personal level because mm. knowing that you love yoga mm. and knowing that when you travel you like to find a good yoga studio even getting down to understanding the type of yoga that you like you know Bikram yoga yeah. versus yeah you know, um they that also proves how much they've got to know you as an individual which yeah. is what we love about the human experience you yeah. know when you interact with people even shopping mm. that you get that human empathy yeah you know, when you can get data to the point of being able to deliver that 
en masse. Yeah. That's a nirvana, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And you talked before about the challenges that big businesses have. Like we've seen, we work with a lot of really interesting brands. The Warehouse Group in New Zealand are, are one that have created a model around um, the lifetime value of a customer. They, they know what that is and they know when to send a message and what that's worth. McDonald's are another good one who um, have gone, who have created their own CRM and have created a, a Mac delivery service as well as a online ordering service. So I don't know if you've been into McDonald's recently, but you can actually go in, order without even having to talk to anybody. You can sit down with your family. You don't have to get up at all and it comes to you. They've got all of that information about you. They know when you eat, what you order, who you go there with, and they're now using that to actually put more relevant messages in front of you. There's a great example of a large organisation who, you know, have different interactions with different people. I I go there for coffee, but other people might go there for a family meal, so treat us differently. So it's interesting, isn't it? Because both those examples you've used, the first big challenge they had was actually to create an identity for their customer. Yeah. Because the traditional business model for both McDonald's and for the warehouse group Mm. was that their customers were largely anonymous. Mm. You know, apart from credit card, if they use credit card, they could match credit card details and try and use that. But what they have done in both cases is worked out a way of creating a customer identity Mm -hmm. so that they can then start to capture information against that identity and start to use almost predictive uh, behavioural modelling to understand what that customer seems to want so they can deliver it before the customer even knows they want it. Absolutely. And then they can also use it for all of those signals where they don't have an identity for the customer and say, actually, you're behaving this way. We've got all these identified customers. You fit that kind of profile. Let's, you know, put you into that segment. Which is what Amazon did really well, didn't they? I mean, I remember when I first used Amazon, I was just blown away that within two or three transactions, I was starting to nominate things that I'd be interested in. This is very early on. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're going, that's that's unbelievable. Like, I would never have that experience from a bookstore. Mm -hmm. People think that Amazon beat books by being cheaper. It wasn't. It was the customer experience that actually made it better than going into a bookstore and talking to someone that you had to spend like 20 minutes explaining what you're looking for. Yeah. Whereas Amazon was collecting that on every transaction, comparing you to pools of customers to see which profile you fit. Yeah. And then offering you things that you... And, and then learning mm. by your your reaction to those offers. Yeah, but yeah, again, part of big part of that's the convenience factor, right? That you yeah. don't have to go looking for it. That it's served up to you in a really relevant, contextual way. And an emotional benefit, which is the feeling that they know me. Exactly. Yeah. So I think there's there's the two parts. Yeah. So we need to focus on both. The, the practical convenience, mm. and yes, it was cheaper, but you compromised that for the time it takes to get that delivered. Mm. But uh, so much richer is just this sense of, hey, instead of having a whole bookshop, mm. as soon as I walk in, they go, here's the books you're interested in. Mm. Here's the whole section. Look at these. Hey, have you looked? You know, mm. It was that experience of being known mm. and being acknowledged for being who you are. Yeah. That's right. So really interesting. 
totally different category, mm. telcos and banks. Mm. Now, they capture huge amounts of data just by us interacting with them. Yeah. My telco company knows what calls I make, what data I use, where I, what I browse. My bank knows all the bills I pay and who and when I pay it. And yet they seem to be lagging everyone else. Is it just size or is there something else working here, do you think? I think that, that like business in silos that I was talking about earlier on is a huge problem for the banks and telcos. It's this idea that they treat acquisition and retention quite differently or they traditionally have but they're bringing it closer together and we've been talking to telcos about how do you identify the behaviors of a prepaid and a postpaid customer and how do you start to to reduce that time from when a customer converts from being a prepaid to a postpaid what are, what are the signals and how can you identify and how can you create an offer or a some sort of scenario that gets them to convert quicker and that involves getting all of those different divisions you know brand marketing um, acquisition marketing retention marketing to all work together and CRM and that's a new that's a very new proposition for them Mm -hmm. they've they've traditionally treated it quite separately Um, but but we do see them a lot of them making that transformation and there still is, I think, for consumers, you know, I've, I've um, recently just bought a new house and Congratulations. I, thank you. <laughs> and I did not have to go into the bank at all to meet with my lender. Not once. Everything was done digitally, but I still had that human contact with him and he was super responsive. Um, I rave about him to anyone I can I can you know anyone whose attention I can get which I think is pretty rare for someone dealing with a bank Um, but that again that convenience factor and then that emotional factor as well of he knows me he knows what I need he knows how I want to operate Um, he dealt with me a lot outside of business hours and he works in a bank Um, Mm. so it's that it's that kind of transforming your whole business the lenders the digital experience the website and it's getting all of that together in one place and understanding how each piece fits together which is a big task huge task absolutely and you know lots of lots of customers lots of Revenue. (laughs) So, Joe, I'll ask you, you know, this is your home loan lender. Yeah. I'm wondering how well that translates across to other things, because I'm sure they've entangled you, and I love that term from banks, they (laughs) entangle their customers. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm sure there's credit cards and all sorts, you know, they've set up an offset account for you and all sorts of things. Yeah. Has all of that gone as smoothly? Yep. It's been amazing. It's Absolutely. You should give them a plug because that is amazing. <laughs> I've also just borrowed, uh, for, bought a new home. Have you? And um, and it's interesting because in the process, yeah. I do all my business banking and everything. Yeah. Uh, and I had two customer IDs, unique customer IDs. So oh. as one person, I already had two. And in the process, they've given me a third. So now I've got the problem that when I phone up or I go online, I have to remember which accounts attached to which customer ID because if I put the wrong one in I even on telephone banking they go oh uh, no Sorry, we, we can't don't. help you 
because oh. they need to know which it's just a mind you know it's, it's yeah i think uh, no, that's very, that's very different to my experience. Who, who's, you, I'm not going to name them. Your, <laughs> well, mine, mine's so, so HSBC. Look, okay, HSBC. <laughs> uh, let, let's uh, snaps for HSBC for totally, doing this. <laughs> a great absolutely. job because uh, this is one of the big four. Yeah. And look, even amongst those mm. four, you know, I've heard from many people that Combank has done a, a fantastic job moving down. But then, you know, as you say, let's go across to the telcos mm. because the telco business knows as much about us as customers as anyone, mm. but they really do struggle to get around the difference between you as a personal customer, a business customer, mm. a prepaid, a postpaid, an internet customer. Yep. You know, there is, still is a lot of these silos that are getting in the way of a, a view of customer. Yeah, but I, th- but I think tr- the, the true change happens when there's an agreement that the customer comes first and let's look at what is the customer experience in lots of different scenarios and how can we reduce friction. Look, that's really refreshing to hear that from someone that works in ad tech yeah. or martech, yeah. you know, which Salesforce is. Yeah. Because what you're really saying is start with the customer yeah. and then the technology will support that. Yeah. Whereas uh, many times we've heard, here's the technology that'll solve all your problems, yeah. and then nothing ever happens yeah. because you haven't done the initial work. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, we do a lot of consulting sessions with customers to look at state of business, what's the customer experience. You know, we go into the store or we talk to the customer service agents and we'll help to diagnose what's the real business challenge and how can you put customers at the center and how does technology support it and I, I do think it's unique and refreshing for technology companies to approach it that way um, and I think that that's why Salesforce is you know continuing to be really successful it's a different approach because part of it's your business model isn't it yeah. because really the person's only going to keep supporting the platform while the platform's actually delivering results for totally and and salesforce was born out of this idea that um you know that CR technology and crm in particular should be accessible and affordable to everyone so we created cloud-based crm and that was kind of our our initial um success was based on creating this very accessible CRM system. And off the back of that, we've built and acquired a lot of other capabilities and functionality, but it's all pinned to this identity and this idea that you've got an identity for a customer. How do you improve the relationship with that customer over time? Now, this this has got me to the point of thinking, I'm wondering if there's uh, people, marketers listening to us that are much more brand focused. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, Traditionally, brand was built through comms mm-hmm. um, and advertising, and, and, and they're probably wondering, so, you know, they're getting a lot of pressure to look at customer experience and mm. managing the, in quotes, customer journey, which I always, I love the fact it's always represented as a line. Yeah. Yeah, you because know, I don't know about you, but my customer journey is more like a squiggle. You know? Yeah, <laughs> totally. All over the place. Yeah. But anyway, like, uh, the customer journey is at the line. Yeah. And they often struggle with, well, what's the role of that in brand building? Yeah, I think there's always a place for brand. And to your point before, the emotional side, you know, if you've invested in a brand, like I've revealed my love for HSBC, 
if I've now invested in that brand, seeing that brand, having a relationship with that brand, you know, going to the rugby or doing something where I, I get to continue my relationship and my experience with that brand is really, it's a really wonderful thing and it's a very emotional thing. And we're human beings, we are emotional, we need that connection, we want to feel like we've made a good choice. And brand often backs that up. But also, you need brand to create identity. You need brand to to help differentiate. You need brand to show you. I mean, Salesforce does branding. I don't know if you've seen, you know, yeah. bus sides. We're, we're, we're everywhere right now. The brand is important. What do you think of the fact that brand is actually built through the customer experience more so than any amount of money spent on brand advertising? Yeah. Because your experience of HSBC mm. doesn't... I've seen all HSBC's advertising, mm. but I'm sure your appreciation or, or connection with the brand was infinitely strengthened through your experience with the lender, the yeah. banker, yeah. than it would be from seeing an ad. Yeah. Well, I think together they're more powerful. What, what's, that, what's that word, that concept, when you're like... By, you know, you're buying a car, a red car, and suddenly all you see is that brand of red car, that word. I'm not sure, but... <laughs> but it's that sort of thing, right? Yeah. Like you... Um, I think the two together are more powerful. But, yeah, if you've had a if you've had a, bra- a bad brand experience and you start to see that brand everywhere, then that can have Work a against. counter effect. Yeah. But I'm also thinking that every single part of that of those customer touch points is an opportunity to reinforce the brand. Absolutely. You know, you could spend millions of dollars on advertising, but if then the brand experience, the customer experience is totally different to what's being promised, then they're working counter to each other. Hence they need to be aligned. Aligned and not in separate groups, separate teams, separate strategies. That gets me back to purpose. Mm. Because one of the things that we saw with Gillette especially Mm. is that it's in making a stand on purpose, you're going to alienate a certain part of the audience. Of course. And and I think if you're not doing that, then you're not trying hard enough. I think you want people to talk about it. You want to create a conversation. You want to create some emotion whether that's positive or negative i think that is one of the most powerful things about branding is you can you can create some emotion you can create a story and you can create a conversation and you know nike have been doing that so well for so long i don't know if you've read shoe dog but that's another fantastic book yeah you know just he's been a disruptor from the very beginning and well, they always sponsored the the mavericks of sport, yeah. not just the heroes. Yeah. They didn't just pick, you know, That's right. it, 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 you know, Pete Sampras was a great tennis player, yeah. but they loved John McEnroe. Exactly. Bjorn Borg was a yeah. great tennis player, yeah. but, you know, McEnroe had yeah. the Nike attitude. Exactly. You cannot be serious. Yeah. You know, that was the attitude. Totally. Win, yeah. at, win, win at all costs. Yeah. And see, we're like we're sitting here now, still talking about it. Thirty years later, and the power of brand, right? It's. But in alienating a part of the population, you yeah. want to make sure that you're alienating the people that are never going to be your brand advocates. Like Nike did it so well, well because they alienated sort of almost like the rednecks. Yeah. 
and and consolidated yeah. their core audience behind yeah. the brand. Yeah. I just wonder if Gillette has in some ways alienated some of their core audience <laughs> by going, you know, toxic yeah. because people have misread the core audience men have mm. misread what, what toxic masculinity means. It's not all masculinity. But they think that toxic masculinity means that masculinity is, is toxic. toxic. Yeah. You know? so the, the danger is, yes, alienate them, but make sure they're not your audience. Yeah. <laughs> or you can be too clever or too, uh, yeah, um, divisive. But um, but I, I like that. I, I really like and appreciate brands who are willing to just push the boundaries a little and mm. see, see what happens. The other thing is that uh, you, you use the example of Salesforce. Yeah. Salesforce as a brand mm. and as an organization is one in the same. Yeah. Right? The organization is the brand and the brand is the organization. Yeah. Uh, uh, Nike is the brand. Yeah. And the organization. Yeah. Gillette is Procter & Gamble. Yeah. Yeah. So is Gillette really expressing the... Uh, purpose of Gillette, which mm. is a brand, mm. or is it expressing the purpose of Procter and Gamble? Yeah, and that's a tough one. And I think then again, go back to consumer, customer first. Who does the customer have a relationship with? They have the relationship with Gillette. So the brand is Gillette, and the branding is for Gillette, and the values are Gillette values, not Procter and Gamble. Which, which uh, one of my favourite uh, uh, responses to the Gillette ad was a woman that said, bravo on picking out toxic masculinity, but why do you charge me more for selling me your razors in pink for at a premium? If you really want to support women, <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> why is it that you're charging me so much more just to make a pink razor? Which I exactly. thought... Exactly. here's. That, that if you're going to do purpose in brand, yeah. you need to make sure that everything in your business mm -hmm. is aligned to that purpose. Yeah. So go and experience it as the customer. Go yeah. and experience the, you know, what it's like to interact with the brand as the customer rather than from behind the desk. So is there, are these the type of things that we can look forward to uh, next month at AdTech? Yes, absolutely. It's going to be a powerful and uh, compelling debate and conversation with some real game changers within the industry. Well, I hope you've got your uh, your target set and uh, <laughs> you're able to shoot out the lights. And what was the other part? Illuminate the next room? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. It is interesting because I think, you know, I agree with you mm. that, that I feel that uh, for a lot of organisations, there is a point where we've had three or four years of mm. discussion, confusion, um, but we're starting to see much more focus and determination yeah. to actually make these opportunities pay off. Uh, it's... Um I think it's one of the most exciting times. I mean, I was around in the early days of digital and that was a super exciting time. There were lots of naysayers. There were lots of people saying it was too hard. It was never going to take off. And now it feels like we're going through this other evolution of people saying, oh, it's too hard, it's expensive, It's but you've got people doing it and standing up on stages and 
you know, writing case studies to show how successful they've been actually executing. And and that, you know, the warehouse group example, they just, they're amazing. They just said, you know, we couldn't kind of get to a point of figuring out exactly what our current lifetime customer value is. So we had to draw a line in the sand and go, right, you know, this is it. Let's base it on here and let's move forward. From Sometimes you just got to go, I'm not going to get it all perfectly right, but I've got to start somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. You, know, you can't wait till you've got all the answers, yeah. but you do have to start at some yeah. point. So it's exciting. And That's test and learn. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Look, uh, Joe, thanks for uh, making time to sit down and have a chat. I look forward to uh, yeah. seeing you on stage uh, moderating this panel at uh, AdTech in March. Thanks, Darren. Great to, great to chat with you.